Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9 to the end of the chapter. Daniel says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. The four, these four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, it, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words Words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and he, his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now tonight we get to look at the coming end of, the, of man's kingdom on the earth, and the beginning of Jesus' kingdom reign on the earth. Now before we get into our study of Jesus' coming kingdom on this earth, I hand it out to all of you that were here beforehand. If you got in a little late, John, I just saw you come in. Let me give you one of these. There you go. If anybody else came in while I was praying or, or reading and I didn't see, I don't think anybody else did. We're, um, 
On this handout here, I want you to keep this with you. This will be a valuable thing in, to keep in your Bible or near where you study. This is one of the best definitions of the kingdom of God that I found anywhere. The re, one of the reasons, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons there's so much disagreement among Christians even about the definition of the kingdom of God is because the t- kingdom of God in the scriptures has many aspects to it. And we're going to see that in this definition that I'm about to read to you in just a second. But... You have Christians saying, well, no, the kingdom's within you. The kingdom's now. But then there are others saying the kingdom's to come and all this. And listen to Gene Mims's definition here from his book, Thine is the Kingdom. And you see here, it's even on page uh, 18 of his book. The kingdom of God is the reign of God through Christ in the lives of persons as evidenced by his activity in, through, and around them. The kingdom was prophesied in the Old Testament pictured in Israel, proclaimed by John the Baptist, inaugurated by Christ during his public ministry on earth, extended in the lives of believers through the church in the present age, and will be consummated by Christ when he returns to earth to rule with his saints. Now, if you remember, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As much as the kingdom was pictured in Israel, and Israel was a picture of the kingdom to come, but they didn't fulfill it the way it should have been. And John the Baptist prophesied and, and got it ready to get ready for it. And the kingdom is coming. And he had said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came on the scene and inaugurated the kingdom in his first arrival. But at the same time, we see that Satan's not been bound, has he? Just like the Bible says he will be during the kingdom time on the earth. And as you're going to see tonight, even after he's bound for that thousand years, he'll be loosed for a season and then eternally separated and no no longer allowed to do what he does. But there's a coming kingdom on the earth. And so what we see here in Daniel 7 is the end of the kingdoms of men and the kingdom of Jesus being beginning. And it's going to be a fun study tonight. So buckle up, get a piece of paper nearby because I'm going to get hit you with more scriptures than you have time for. We're going to look at a lot of them. Some of them I'm just going to say write these down and look at them later on. So let's go to Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. It says, Daniel says, as I looked, thrones. Do you see that? Thrones, plural, were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Now, before we go any further and look at the reason for why there's plural thrones, let's look at the one throne, first of all, that the most important person is sitting on. Now, the King James translation, instead of saying placed, like it says here uh, in, uh, in the English Standard Version, King James says cast down. And actually, that's not a really good translation of the actual words here. Actually, placed or set up is a picture. It's a picture of setting up the thrones for the purposes of judgment. And so the, 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 the thrones were placed. And we also see that the ancient, ancient of Days took his seat. Now, hopefully you know who the Ancient of Days is. Does anybody have any wild guess on who the Ancient of Days is that sits on his throne? It's God the Father. It's God the Father. Because you're going to see the Son is going to be presented before the Father to be given the kingdom. And it's God the Father. I mean, look closely at his description. It says, The Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. His wheels, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. And thousand thousands served him. And ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the court sat in judgment. And the books were opened. Um, this term, Ancient of Days, by the way, is only used here in Daniel 7. 
It's the only place you'll see it in the Bible describing God in this manner. Look at verse 13. And behold, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days. Jump over to verse 22, and it says how the horn made war with the saints in verse 21. In verse 22, until the ancient of days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. So here we see that we see that the ancient of days is used three times in Daniel 7. It's the only other time you'll find it any other in the Bible. God the Father described this way. But this throne and this one who sits on the throne, he's described in other parts of the Bible. Go with me to Revelation chapter 4. Now, as you're turning to Revelation 4 and we look at verses 1 through 11, you'll hopefully be reminded that John has been uh, exiled, if you will, to the island of Patmos. While he's there and praying and worshiping the Lord, Jesus himself shows up on that island and speaks to him and tells him to write about what he sees and what's to be and then what's to come after this. And he writes in chapter one about what he sees and Jesus on the island. Then he writes in chapters two and three, the messages from Jesus to the churches. And then chapter four, as you're about to see, everything changes. The voice that he heard on the earth, now he hears in heaven and a door opens up there. And the voice that he heard says, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. From that point on, John's removed from the earth and he watches what goes on during the whole tribulation period and all that on the earth from a grandstand view in heaven. But listen to what he sees. It's going to sound a lot like what you just read in Daniel 7, verses 9 and following. John says, after this, Revelation 4, verse 1, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Before I go any further, that word must is the exact same Greek word when it says you must be born again. Does that word must mean must? Well, it's the exact same word, by the way, in uh, Acts chapter 4, where it says, there's no, under, na- no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Does that word must mean must? Four times in the book of Revelation, the Bible says these things must take place. Beware of anybody that says, well, it's just symbolic. No, it's going to happen. So he says, let me show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow. Keep that in mind. That had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature looked like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like a face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created." Who's sitting on the throne there, Revelation chapter 4? God the Father. And on top of that, we also see that we see a rainbow around the throne. We see the fire coming from the throne. We see 
uh, the, the four living creatures around the throne. Jump with me to Ezekiel chapter 1. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and start in verse 4. Even before Daniel had his vision, right around that same time, Ezekiel is given a vision. In chapter 1, starting in verse 4. Ezekiel says, As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had human, a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus, and their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. And as for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face, the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle, just like John saw in Revelation 4. Such were the faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings each, of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirits would go, there they went, without turning, as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on each on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of barrel, and the four had the same likeness, their appearance and their construction being as it were a wheel within a wheel. They went... When they went, they went in any of the four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth... The wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Now over the heads of the living creatures, there was a likeness of an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings, and there came a a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne was the likeness with a human appearance. And with up and upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. So Ezekiel, just like John, saw the rainbow around the throne. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. 
And then he goes on to hear, write what he heard the voice speaking. So Ezekiel saw God on his throne. And again, you see the four living creatures and the wheels and the fire. Same thing that Daniel saw in his vision in Daniel 7. Same thing that John saw in his vision in Revelation chapter 4. Folks, so we know that there is the throne and the one who's seated on it is the ancient of days. Why are there thrones, though plural, placed as we saw in Daniel 7 verse 9? But there were thrones placed, not just one throne, but other thrones. Nope. I'm sorry. The 24 elders, the 24 elders, not just the apostles. Actually, people think it's the apostles. I'm going to show you from Scripture. The 24 elders representative of the church, representative of the church. Go with me real quick to Revelation chapter four again. Look at verse four. Now, Ezekiel didn't see thrones around the throne. But by the time that John's given the vision, and remember, Daniel's given a vision of what's going to be at the end of time, correct? When Ezekiel sees the vision of the Father on the throne, there's only the throne. But when Daniel's given a vision of what's to be in the end, now it's not just one throne, but there are thrones with him. When John is given a vision in Revelation 4 as to what will be after this, after the church age, there are 24 thrones around. Listen to verse 4. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Go back to Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, the one who conquers... And who keeps my works until the end? To him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as with the earthen pots are, when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I'll give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jump down to chapter 3, verse 21. The one who conquers... I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He was an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. By the way, jump back to chapter 3, verse 5. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. If you were to go back, I could even show you in Revelation in the message to the churches how the, the churches promised that not only will they be clothed in white garments, they'll be given each a crown. And John sees the same thing that Daniel's been given a vision of. The end times, the church is actually in heaven with God. When it's time for judgment of the earth comes, the church is already there. The 24 elders, a representative of the church, and I'll explain that in just a second. And we see that they're clothed in white, they're wearing crowns, and they're sitting with God and ruling with God. Now, you say, Jim, how is the 24 elders representative of the church? Well, we've already seen here the promises to the church that they're going to rule with him and have a authority over the nations, but there's more to it as well. I don't have time to get into it now in full detail, but if you want to go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 24, you're going to find that there actually was, back in the time of 1 Chronicles, uh, so many priests who were serving in the temple, they all, it was overcrowding, because all you had to do to be a priest was be a guy that was born to the tribe of Levi. As they kept making babies, they kept having more and more priests. So in order to deal with that problem, David took all of the priests and broke them down into how many divisions? Anybody want to take a guess? 24 divisions. 
And that's why we know that when Zechariah is told that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have John the Baptist, he's serving in the temple at that time because he was of the priestly line of Abijah, and it was Abijah's ter- team's turn to serve in the temple. David, ha- God had David break all the, re- the priests down into 24 divisions, and that was representative of all the priests, and they took turns. Oh, if you go to the next chapter, he even broke all the worship leaders and the singers into 24 divisions. Because they had a problem like a lot of Baptist churches do where everybody wants to sing a solo. And they had too many singers. So they broke them down into 24 divisions. By the way, let that sink in for a minute, folks. Jesus has said, I'm going to have you rule and reign with me. You're going to be clothed in white if you're part of the church. You're going to be given a golden crown. And you're going to sit on my throne with me. Have you ever thought about the fact that if there's 24 thrones and just like the priest would take turns when it was their turn... And the 24 were representative of the whole group. Have you ever thought about the fact that you might get to be one of these 24 elders at some point when it's your turn? We got eternity. I actually believe that the Bible kind of hints at the fact that you and I both. We're all going to be able to sit if you're part of his church on those thrones. Oh, we're going to be worshiping him. And the, the, the full living creatures continue to say, holy, holy, holy. And whenever they do, we just take the crowns off our head and throw them at his feet and say, it's you, it's not us. But we're going to rule and reign and judge with Jesus. Go real quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse He says, if we endure, the first half of verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. He goes on and says, if we deny him, he'll deny us. If we're without faith or faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. In other words, God, God says, look, if you endure, remember, if you stick around because your faith is real, you're going to reign with me. You're going to rule with me. If you quit, If you're part of that seed that falls on the rocky soil or the thorny soil and it sprung up, but it wasn't real salvation and you walk away, you never had salvation in the first place. And on top of that, because God is who he says he is, you deny him, he'll deny you. What did Jesus say? If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. You deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. He'll remain faithful to who he is. He cannot deny himself. Oh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul's dealing with a problem in the church in Corinth where the Corinthians were taking each other to court, going before the secular courts. Listen to what Paul says as he's kind of chastising them a little bit. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 3, he says, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, Are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we're to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? I don't want to go into too much more detail, but I may just say to this to you because we got a lot to cover tonight. We are going to rule and reign with Jesus when he comes back. Because as you're going to see in tonight's study, not only is the kingdom going to be given to Jesus when he comes to rule and reign on this earth, The kingdom is going to be given to us as well. We'll get to that in a little bit later in our study. We who have been made righteous in Christ will come with him 
and rule with him when he comes to set up his kingdom. By the way, that's a further evidence of the fact that the church will be raptured prior to the tribulation period. Because while all that stuff's going on on the earth, who's already sitting on the thrones around Jesus? The church. We're already seated around the throne while all that stuff's going on on the earth. While the lamb opens the seals and the tribulation period begins, the church is already in heaven. Come up here. I'm going to show you what's going to take place after the church age. And then he, when he comes, as you're going to see in Scripture tonight, he's going to come back to the earth with the army with him, which is us. And we're going to be given the kingdom as well as Jesus. It's an amazing thing. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Let me show you what I mean. Revelation chapter 20, look at verses 1 through 6. This is at the very end of what happens in chapter 19, where Jesus comes and defeats all the armies and the enemy and the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon. Chapter 20, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. Now, after that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. There it is again. Thrones, plural. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now we see a little bit more. It's not just the church who's going to rule and reign with Jesus when he comes to the earth. Who else is going to rule and reign with him? The tribulation saints. Those who came to faith during the tribulation and who didn't take the mark. They're going to come to life at that time, and they're going to rule and reign with Jesus on the earth. Actually, if you, we'll touch on it briefly, but Old Testament saints are going to come to life and reign with Jesus on the earth. Now, when I say come to life, they're already alive. They're already with him in the presence of the Lord, but they're going to get their new bodies at that time, and they're going to rule and reign with Christ on the earth. Now, as the court sat in judgment, though, go back to chapter 7 of Daniel, it says books, plural, were opened. Look at it says in Daniel 7, verse uh, 10. It says, A stream of fire issue, issued and came out from before him, and thousands and thousands served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And the court sat in judgment, and the books, plural, were opened. Well, what are these books? Well, go back with me to Revelation chapter 20. Look at verses 11 through 15. We've just seen that those who are going to judge are going to rule with Christ for a thousand years. In verse, seven, uh, verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. By the way, this is the judgment of all the wicked dead. I have skipped over a couple of verses there in chapter 20, which we'll get back to in just a little bit tonight. But at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ, all the wicked dead throughout all time of history, Old Testament, church age, tribulation, millennial kingdom. There's going to be people that actually sin and go to hell from the millennial kingdom. 
All the wicked dead will come to life to be judged, get their next bodies, if you will, their eternal bodies, and they're going to be brought before the great white throne. And God's going to judge them all at that time. But don't miss this. Not only are they going to be judged by what, the fact that their name's not in the book of life and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says that they're going to be judged according to everything they had done. Books, plural, were opened. Everything they had done had been written in these books. Folks, I know some of us sometimes struggle with the fact that the wicked seem to be prospering. We really feel like someone did us wrong and, and we don't know if God really is keeping track. Let me just tell you, God's keeping track. And I'm going to show you from Scripture. Go with me real quickly and look with me at the fact that the Scripture says over and over and over that there isn't a thing that the wicked do that isn't known. Go to Luke chapter 12. Go to Luke chapter 12. Look at verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark, it'll be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 36. Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Jump back to chapter 10. Look at verses 24 through 26. Jesus is talking about how the wicked world hates him and they'll hate us. He says, look at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered up that won't be revealed or hidden that will not be Known. By the way, do you know the Bible actually says in Psalm 139 that God already knows what we think before it even makes our tongue? By the way, aren't you glad that God's not keeping any more books of all the things you've done? Those of us who are in Christ, we've been made righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus. He took our sin. And because of that, we've been now given righteousness. We don't have to be good in order to be righteous. We just need to have faith in Christ Jesus. And the evidence that we have faith in Christ Jesus and that he sealed us with his spirit is that there'll be evidence of the spirit within us and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. But listen closely. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ever sin? then how did he become sin? This is important that you grasp this. The, the, the big theological word is it was imputed to him. In other words, God took the sin of the world and put it on Jesus. He didn't do any sin, but sin was put on him and he became sin. Have we really done anything righteous? Then how can you and I be righteous? In the same way, he took Jesus' righteousness and he's imputed it to you and me. If you're in Christ, the righteousness of Christ is yours. You got to fight that daily flesh problem of, well, I got to do better. I got to try to serve God harder. I've got to be more righteous. Listen, 
Believe that Jesus has made you righteous and start living out of that truth. And you'll start to watch the spirit of God begin to take over. And the righteousness that is already yours will become evident as you learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. That's why Paul says, he says, he said, if you walk in the flesh, you won't. If you walk in the spirit, I mean, you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature or the flesh. You won't. If you learn to walk in the spirit because you've already been given righteousness, learn to trust the Lord. Do what he says. Let him do his work through you and you will evidence the righteousness that you already have. Oh, there's other scriptures. I don't have time to turn there. But if you want to go look at more, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5. And Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Also are other verses that talk about how God will reveal every little thing that those who haven't been covered in Jesus' blood have ever done. So if you've got an issue right now with someone that you think's gotten away with something, no, they haven't. Oh, and by the way, they were each judged according to what they had done in the books. And there wasn't even a careless word that's been missed. By the way, as you're going to see in Scripture tonight, hell is not only real, it's eternal. There are some people that unfortunately teach that, that you get extinguished at a certain point. No. As you're going to see, everyone who goes to the lake of fire is there forever and ever. The torment of the lake of fire is eternal. Just like heaven is eternal, hell is eternal. And the scriptures prove it. We'll get to that in a second. But before we get to that, let me encourage you with something else. If God's keeping track of all the wicked stuff that people do, is he not also keeping track of all the things that we let him do through us that are righteous? Because the Bible says he's going to reward us for what we've done. Remember those crowns? Those crowns are tied to our reward. We're already in heaven, but we're going to be given crowns, reward for our righteousness. And you and I know if I did anything righteous, I didn't do it. But he's keeping track of all the stuff that after salvation, we've allowed him to do through us. The Bible says he's keeping track of that, too. Go to Malachi. You're in Matthew. Go to Malachi. One book to the left. Look at chapter 3, verse 16. Malachi 3.16, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I'll spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. God says, I'm paying attention to the righteous people too, and I'm writing their names down. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at verses 24 and 25. 1 Timothy 5 verse 24 says, the sins of some people are conspicuous. Last night I kept saying conspicuous all night. And my wife did said, you know, it's not conspicuous. Now I know it's conspicuous. All right. So the sins of some people are conspicuous going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous. And even those that are not cannot remain hidden. In other words, some people sin and it's obvious. But other people sin and it's not as noticeable. But it's going to appear later. Also, good works are sometimes obvious. And those that aren't. Obvious, can't remain hidden. 
Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and following says this. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For what man sows, he'll also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll reap corruption and death. If he sows to the spirit, he'll reap reward and eternal life. And then he says, therefore, don't grow weary of doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we don't give up. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say, let's keep doing good to everybody, but especially the household of faith. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, behold, I'm coming soon and my recompense is with me. Some translations say reward, and I will repay everyone for what they've done. By the way, if you haven't been covered by Jesus and you're in your own sin, he's kept track of every little thing, and you are going to be suffering in eternity according the level of punishment in hell. Everybody lasts forever, but the Bible teaches that there's levels of punishment in hell, and it's tied to how much you've done. Oh, there's levels of reward in heaven. I didn't even take the time to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which talks about the fact that after the foundation of Jesus Christ, right around verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, after the foundation of Christ has been laid, everyone has to be careful how they build, whether they use gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, because the fire, the day of the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to experience the judgment, great white throne judgment where you're either in heaven or you're in hell. That's already been determined by Jesus, and we've been given that righteousness. But there is a judgment seat of Christ for those of us who are in Christ. And the Bible says that day will be tested by fire, and our works will be tested by fire. If what we have built on the foundation is of our own strength, our own flesh, it'll be burnt up. Wood, hay, straw. And we will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, the Bible says. But if what we've built survives the test of fire because it was done by God and not by us, we'll be rewarded. There's a, there's a reward coming. And if God's keeping track of the wicked, he's also keeping track of the righteous. And Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm bringing my recompense with me. Now, if you go back to Daniel 7, you'll see that the beast will be the first one judged. He won't even go before the great white throne. He won't even go to the place of fiery torment that's a temporary place the Bible calls Hades. He won't even go to those places. He goes straight to the lake of fire. Look again at Daniel chapter 7. Look at Daniel 7 verse 11. And I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. Look at verse 26 of chapter 7. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. Then it goes on to talk about how the kingdom is going to be given to us. We'll get to that if we have time tonight. Go to Revelation 19. So here... Daniel sees that the beast, the Antichrist, is killed immediately and thrown straight into the fire. The Bible actually says in Revelation 19 that it's going to happen. Listen to what it says. Revelation 19, verses 19 through 21. Then I saw the beast and the kings uh, of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who's sitting on the horse and against his army. That's Jesus and us. And the beast was captured with it, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, 
And the rest of them were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds gorged their flesh. Just like Daniel saw the beast, the Antichrist, is going to be burned with fire. He's going to be killed immediately. Now, the rest of the kings, the rest of the kings and the rest of the beasts, they're going to be kept alive, if you will, until their judgment later on. But the Antichrist is not even going to get a great white throne judgment. He's going straight into hell, into the lake of fire, along with the false prophet. Oh, don't miss this. Guess who else is going to be going with him there? Satan. Satan. For too long, people said, uh, I'm going to go to hell and party with my buddies. No, you don't, you don't get it. Satan's not ruling in hell. Satan's going to be tortured in hell himself. Listen to Revelation chapter 20, the section we skipped, verses 7 through 10. Remember, Satan's been bound for a thousand years during the reign of Christ on the earth. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city. Fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet already are. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire at the end of that thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. As it, God then will set up what we call the eternal state, the new heaven and the new earth. Go ahead, John. No, the Antichrist is the beast and that's the Antichrist. The false prophet is a religious leader that works for him. But he gets everybody to worship the Antichrist. Now, as we just touched on, the rest of the beasts will be dealt with after the thousand-year reign of Christ during that great white throne judgment. Go to Daniel chapter 12. I want you to kind of track with me a little bit on this. We've already seen in Revelation that at the end of the tribulation period, who comes back with Jesus? The saints, but who, who are the saints that come back with Jesus? Us, the church. Now, at that same time, those who died during the tribulation period, and as you're about to see, the Old Testament saints are going to come to life as well at the end of the thousand, sorry, the beginning of the thousand year reign of Christ, at, at the end of the tribulation period, the, the tribulation period comes to an end. Jesus comes with us to set up his kingdom on the earth. And at that time, tribulation saints, and Old Testament saints are going to allow their new bodies and they're going to rule and reign with Christ on the earth during that time. All the wicked dead are going to be brought back with their new bodies to be judged at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. And in Daniel 12, listen to what Daniel's told. He says, at that time, chapter 12, verse 1, I'm sorry. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. That's the Jews. That's the archangel Michael. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. As bad as the Holocaust was, what's still coming is going to be worse. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, look at what he's told. 
There's going to be a time of judgment on the earth, and the Jews are going to go through a period like they've never been through and never will again. At that time, though, Michael, and you're going to see this later on, Michael is going to come, and he's going to defeat Satan. And the righteous are going to come to life and live on the earth. The wicked are all going to come to life and go to, well, I think we read it here. Let's read it again in verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. We believe that's eternal, right? And some to shame and everlasting contempt. There it is again. Does hell last forever? If you believe heaven lasts forever, you better believe hell lasts forever. Everlasting life, everlasting contempt. But go to verse 13. Daniel's told, go your way till the end and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. In other words, you're going to come back and rule and reign too, Daniel, but not until that time. And he's told, shut up the words of the prophecy. We saw this in verse four. Shut up the words of the prophecy. See, they're sealed. They're not understandable until the time of the end. And here's how you're going to know we're in the time of the end. Many are going to increase in knowledge and be able to go to and fro throughout the earth. You do realize we're living in those days now, right? By the way, do you realize you older people in here tonight, the oldest people alive right now, have been through more change in their lifetime, in your lifetime, than any other generation in the history of the world exponentially? Go ahead. Talking about running to and fro as much as news. Mm -hmm. UCF is working on a jet, to a jet engine. Get you from New York to L.A. in three minutes. Yep. Well, actually, they're, they're working on supersonic jets. They let you anywhere in the world in three hours. Listen, but li hang on. Listen to this. When Paul sailed on his missionary journeys and he sailed on ships, what was the technology? Wooden sails, right? A thousand years plus later, when Columbus sailed, wooden sails. But within the last hundred or so years, we've gone from Model A Fords the space shuttles, which are now extinct, you have more technology right now on your hip than they had in the first lunar launch by far. And if you've got an old phone like me, it's already, if you got one, it's only six months old, it's probably already outdated. Knowledge, has not knowledge increased exponentially in our time? It's unbelievable the changes. And men are able to go to and fro throughout the earth. And if you remember, Daniel's told, seal up the words. It's not going to be understood till the time of the end. Yet John was told in the book of Revelation, don't seal up the words because the time is near. Folks, we are very, 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 very close to the time when everything that's written in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and all that is about to happen. The stage is being set. Jesus is coming back to the earth. I can't wait. But... Look at verses 13 and 14 of Daniel 7 real quick. we got a lot to cover in 10 minutes, and I think we can do it. 12 minutes. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. And I saw in the night visions, this is important. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Remember how the Babylon, Babylonian kingdom was told it's going to be in power, but then you're going to be taken over by the silver one or the Medes and the Persians. And then there's going to come a lesser kingdom and so on. But when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom on the earth, it'll never 
ever pass away. Oh, even Satan will be loosed from the pit for a brief period of time and try to defeat Jesus, but he won't be able to. It'll be fire come down from heaven, and then, then the new heaven and the new earth and the eternal state will begin. But Jesus here is described in verse 13 as the Son of Man. The Son of Man approached the Ancient of Days and was given the kingdom. Don't miss this now. For years, people have thought that the term Son of Man to refer to Jesus was talking about his humanity. I'm going to show you real quickly from Scripture that when Jesus used the term Son of Man, he was pointing back to Daniel chapter 7, and he wasn't talking about his humanity. Oh, definitely in this one, it's obviously talking about his humanity because he's one like a son of man who approaches the ancient of days. And thank God he became a human so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. But when Jesus uses the term son of man, he wasn't saying I'm just a man. Actually, he was referring back to this prophecy, how the son of man was going to be presented and given the kingdom and everybody that understood the term son of man knew that when Jesus said, I'm the son of man, he was saying, I'm the son of God. Do you understand it? It sounds backwards to us. But when Jesus said, I'm the son of man, he was actually saying, I'm the son of God. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 24. We're going to hit these fast. I won't be able to give you all of them or read all of them to you, but I will give you some to write down. So get your paper and pencil ready. Matthew 24, 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on what? The clouds of heaven. Real quick, go back to Daniel 7. What did we just read? In verse 13, and I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was given the kingdom. Jesus said at the end of the tribulation period, you're going to see the sign of the son of man in heaven. And all the tribes will mourn, of the earth will mourn because they're going to see the man, son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. What's he quoting from? Daniel 7. With power and great glory, and he'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and he'll gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. We've already touched on that, how that's gathering of the righteous Jews and the saints that survived the tribulation period. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Look at verses 6 through 8. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 6. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Was he saying he was just a man? He said he's greater than the temple. And he's Lord of the Sabbath. Who made the Sabbath? God the Father. He's claiming to be God when he uses the term son of man. Write these down. I don't have time to have you read them with me. Mark 2, verses 5 through 12. Mark 2, 5 through 12. Mark 9, 30 through 32. Mark 9, 30 through 32. Go with me real quickly to Luke 17. Luke 17, look at verses 22 through 30. And Jesus said to his disciples, the days are coming when you'll desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't see it. 
And they'll say to you, look there, or look here, don't go out or follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Now just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They are eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day that when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Go to Luke 22. Look at verses 66 through 71. When the day came, Luke twenty two sixty six. when the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you won't believe. And if I ask you, you won't answer. But from now on, the son of man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the son of God then? Did you catch that? He said, from now on, you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. And they knew exactly what he was saying. So you're saying you're the Son of God? And Jesus said, you've said it. When you read Son of Man, don't say, oh, he was human. No, he was claiming to be God. Go to John chapter 5. Look at verses 22 and following. John 5, verse 22. It says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He doesn't come into judgment. But he's passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. By the way, what's the good we do? We believe. We believe in him. John chapter 6, verse 28, they came to Jesus and said, what must we do to do the works of God? He says, this is the work of God. Believe in the one he sent. You want to be given righteousness? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man who is God, the one who's coming to the earth. Believe that he's the only way you can be right with God and that he died for your sins and that all you have to do is accept, I am guilty before God. I am a sinner. But Jesus came took on human form, lived without sin. God punished him instead of me and rose from the dead to demonstrate it. And I believe that if I'm getting to heaven, it's because God gives it to me through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, that's all I want to hear. Write this down, look at it later on. John 6, 47 through 59, Jesus talks about eating of the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking of the blood of the Son of Man. John 6, 47 through 59. How do we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood? Faith, faith in him. Now, you remember back in Genesis, Adam and Eve were given dominion, right? They were given dominion over the whole earth. But what happened? They lost it. How did they lose it? They stopped listening to God and they believed Satan and they kind of worshiped him instead. 
And what happened was they gave their dominion over to Satan. Jesus actually, in John chapter 12 and John 14, calls Jesus, uh, sorry, calls Satan the ruler of this world. Oh, I love how he says, the ruler of this world's coming. As Jesus is about to head to the cross, he said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no claim on me. You know why he, Satan has no claim on him? Because he was sinless. By the way, he had something on you and me, didn't he? He had a few things on me. But thank God, because of Jesus, he's got nothing on me now. He's got nothing on me now. The righteousness of Christ has been given to me. Not because I've been righteous. It's just been imputed to me. But Jesus describes Satan as the ruler of this world. But he also says this, the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. He was defeated at the cross, but his final demise isn't until Jesus comes back to the earth. Remember the kingdom definition I gave you at the beginning? The kingdom of God's always been because God is king, yet it hasn't been fully consummated yet until Jesus comes back to the earth. Now I'm going to wrap in Revelation with a couple of things I want you to see. Go to Revelation chapter 1. We'll close with this. Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and what? Who is to come, the Almighty. Don't miss that. Who is and who was and who is to come. Go to Revelation 12. Look at verses 7 through 12. Remember how we read in Daniel chapter 12, there's going to be a war in heaven and Michael's going to come. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, in case you're curious who we're talking about, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now... The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. But therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell on them, in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Isn't that interesting? Satan is still allowed to be in the presence of God. We see that in the book of Job, chapter 1 and 2, where the angels appear before God, Satan comes. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that Satan is our continual accuser. He accuses the brethren day and night. But at the midpoint of the tribulation period, he's going to be removed from the presence of God, and he's going to be cast down to the earth. He's going to indwell the Antichrist, and all his demons are going to be cast down to the earth with him. Folks, you think it's pretty bad now with the wickedness that's going on? Wait until Satan and his demons are only allowed here. I'm sorry? Thank God we won't be here. But let me close with Revelation 1, sorry, 11, Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19. There's something here I want you to see as we close. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. Revelation 11, verse 15. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. What's missing? How come who is to come is not there? By the way, if you have a King James translation, it will be there, but that's been added, unfortunately. In the early texts, it doesn't say is to come. Because at this point, remember, when Satan's cast down, 
Now is the kingdom of our God. He's about to come. He's going to come down to the earth. He's going to defeat. Jesus' kingdom begins even before he gets to the earth. He's cast Satan down at that point, and now all of a sudden, he's going to be, he's going to begun, he's begun to reign, and it's down in the last hours of what's going to happen on the globe. And at that point, we're going to be worshiping and saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, because there ain't no his to come anymore, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Folks, it's going to happen. I hope you're ready. I hope you know him. And I hope you are learning how to let him live through you so that when he comes, your reward will be great. I love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming.